As the coronavirus continues to dominate the news cycle, retailers around the globe are doing their part to flatten the curve. Meanwhile, Amazon, Target, Tesco, Walmart, and other essential retailers are preparing to hire thousands of temporary workers to help keep up with high demands. In this episode, we'll hear perspectives from five retail industry experts. We've got the scoop and more on today's episode. It's Monday, March 30th, and this is your Retail Rundown. Hi, and welcome to the show. In the midst of the global pandemic, everyday life is becoming increasingly disrupted as governments, businesses, and consumers are taking major precautions to slow the spread of the coronavirus. Today, we'll hear from five people, including several Rethink Retail advisors and industry thought leaders to help us sort through the news and provide a glimpse of what's to come in the world of retail. But first, I'll provide a brief update on the rapidly changing situation. Nearly half of the United States is currently under shelter-in-place orders, while the UK and European countries, including Spain, France, Italy, Belgium, and Austria, have ordered citizens to stay at home and avoid outside contact. Such orders have caused retailers across all categories to make the difficult decision to temporarily close their physical stores as the world battles the effects of the virus. In China, where the virus originated, their year-over-year retail sales for January and February were down 20.5%. So while things are slowly recovering there, last Friday, the Chinese government announced a temporary suspension of entry into China by foreign nationals holding visas or residence permits. And due to the heightened uncertainty relating to the potential impacts of COVID-19, several businesses withdrew their earnings outlook for 2020, and this includes L Brands, American Eagle, Nordstrom, Abercrombie & Fitch, and Ulta. But on a more positive note, major retailers have announced plans to hire thousands of floor, warehouse, and delivery workers to meet the increased demand of in-store and online shopping orders brought on by the coronavirus outbreak. So these companies include Amazon, Walmart, Tesco, Kroger, Target, CVS, and many more, including the delivery service Instacart. Let's switch gears now and hear from the five people I mentioned earlier on what's to come in the world of retail. First, we'll hear from Paula Rosenblum. She's a top retail industry analyst and also the managing partner and co-founder at Retail Systems Research. The past week has been rather stunning for the retail world and for the country and world at large. It's really hard to imagine a scenario that we find ourselves in. I do know that these peaks of infection seem to roll from country to country. China appears to have passed its first peak and is ready to open for business. The United States, I think, has yet to reach its peak. I think it's just starting to crest, barely. And the notion that we're going to open for business and everything's going to be fine is a little nuts, quite frankly. Certainly, I worry about retailers like JCPenney, who are on the bubble, and Sears, who are on the bubble. But I'm hopeful that the stimulus package that comes out of Congress and the administration will tide over the biggest and most important businesses for a while. On the flip side, companies really do get a chance to to show us what they're made of. Much to my surprise, Walmart has come through this very, very well and has proven to be a very good consumer partner. I can't say the same for Amazon, quite frankly, nor for Whole Foods Market. I'm disappointed in the way the employees are being treated. 
And I don't really understand why the out-of-stock situations remain so high. This is not a long supply chain like we have from China, and I'm pretty shocked that we remain with so many holes in the inventory. Apart from that, the long-term economic damage to the United States pales in comparison to the human damage. I have no words when a place like the Javits Center, which we are familiar with for the National Retail Federation's big show, is being turned into a hospital, even though they don't have enough equipment to fill it up with the needs of the ill people that are going to be in there. On the flip side, I have to say there's a group called the American Apparel Producers Network, and they have completely flipped over to being willing to create PPEs or personal protection equipment for anybody who needs them in the United States. And I encourage you to get in touch with the American Apparel Producers Network if you need masks and gloves and items like that. I don't think they can make ventilators, but they can certainly make anything out of fabric. This is going to be quite a time. I think that it's not over yet. Any thought that it's going to be over by Easter is a complete fantasy. I do think that by May, June, if we practice safe distancing, um, that we should be in better shape. Will the economy recover? Of course it will. It's a consumer-led economy. But by that implication, we need consumers <laughs> to be willing and able and healthy enough to consume. So I've talked about this a lot, but what these times are showing us is what companies and people are made of. Some companies are really rising to the occasion. Some have proved to be an incredible disappointment. It's my hope and my prayer we come out the other side of this thing healthier, stronger, and more of an understanding of how interconnected we all really are, that we stop these silly trade wars, and that we really understand that we are, in fact, one world, one country, and one people. Next, we'll hear from Rethink Advisor and retail expert Carol Speakerman and what she anticipates to see from our big box retailers and department stores. The corona pandemic is definitely the elephant in the retail room right now. There's just no avoiding it. And it is going to hasten the demise of retailers like JCPenney that have been on the brink for a while. Now, JCPenney is particularly vulnerable because they are so dependent on soft lines for their success. You know, categories like apparel and home that are highly discretionary. And when business is good, they're great businesses to be in because they're high margin. You can really build a business around it. But now you've got consumers so focused on essentials and paring down, it's really hard to imagine that that discretionary spending is going to magically go on the uptick. And this is particularly true also when some of those higher spending individuals, ones that are still gainfully employed, a lot of those folks are working from home now. So to think that they're going to suddenly feel a need to refresh the wardrobe or chase the latest fashion trend, I think is still more wishful thinking. In fact, I was just speaking with a couple of major retailers this week who told me that those very categories are already starting to build up and become a problem. So the pain isn't just going to be for the retailers themselves, but it is going to trickle down as it always does to the suppliers who are going to be asked to partner with retailers to get rid of some of this excess inventory in those discretionary categories. And the news isn't much brighter when you're looking at markets like China. You know, China's recent plummet in retail figures is 
particularly disheartening because China's a bellwether for digital commerce. Everybody looks to China because they have such highly developed online marketplaces that consumers there are very comfortable using and, and rely on very heavily. But now we see that digital is not filling in the gaps in China. And so I don't think we can expect that to happen here either, where those habits are not as ingrained. Now, the bright side, though, is going to be reserved, I would say, for these highly diversified platform operators like Amazon and Walmart. You know, I've been saying for a while that diversification is the key success factor for retailers going forward, regardless of the pandemic. But now, under these circumstances, it's a critical success factor. So Amazon and Walmart are diversified from a category standpoint, from a business model standpoint. Uh, Walmart in particular has made major inroads into health and wellness solutions and services. Amazon is making those forays as well. So I think that's going to serve them well, not to mention separating Walmart uniquely as an advantage has been their focus on convenience and building up this massive portfolio of what were called convenience options, drive up, drive through, home delivery, et cetera. Well, now consumers are looking at to those as safety options, you know, safety nets, if you will. And just like convenience, consumers define safety differently. Some still feel safe going into stores, keeping their distance and doing self-checkout. Others have switched radically to solutions like home delivery, which of course is jamming up the works a little bit, but at least it's still on the menu. So the retailers that are scrambling to build up these capabilities during the pandemic are going to struggle a bit, but retailers like Walmart have had a long runway and they've worked out a lot of the bugs. So I think they're going to come out ahead. But like a lot of times throughout retail history, a lot of difficult times, you know, there are going to be winners, those who make it through and even thrive on the other side. And there are going to be those who, frankly, fail fast and fail faster than they ever thought because of this pandemic. But we're going to start to see who falls into which category, I think, a lot more quickly than anyone anticipated. To learn more about what's happening across the pond, we'll hear from European retail consultant and author of Reinventing Retail, Ian Shepard. As the virus crisis has spread across European markets, the impact on retailers has followed a very similar pattern. At first, trading dropped as people stopped shopping as much, and then as governments have implemented increasingly stringent lockdowns, retailers deemed non-essential have closed altogether. At first, closing their stores, but keeping online deliveries going. But as I record this, more and more are now shutting down their distribution centres too, and ceasing online selling. The result of all of that is that the retail sector splits into two, actually in two different ways. The first split, obviously, is between those who are open and those who are closed. Pharmacy and grocery retailers are open, obviously, and are under incredible strain as they try to cope with demand. In the early days, that demand was boosted by panic buying. But even in the post-panic phase, demand remains high as people who are not eating out or at work and so just need more stuff at home. It's been incredible to watch retailers in these categories cope with the current situation. And retail colleagues in stores and throughout those operations have earned the admiration of all of us, I think, for their amazing work. The other side of that split, of course, is retailers who are closed for business. They are under incredible pressure of a different kind. Their world is now about survival. And in a crisis like this, that means only one thing. Cash is everything. 
the world for these retailers simply boils down to how much cash they have or have access to and what their daily or weekly burn rate on that cash is. Reducing that cash outflow rate is key, but of course, that often, from a wider economic point of view, just spreads the pain into other sectors as retailers stop paying rents to their landlords or furlough staff, for example. And that brings me to another way in which retailers are dividing into two groups. There is a palpable sense that some retailers in this crisis are doing the right things, trying to protect and support customers and colleagues as best they can, but that others are not. Whether the naughty list is about gouging prices on in-demand products or heartlessly letting colleagues go while continuing to pay high executive salaries, there is a very clear, and in this social media world, a very public tallying of retailers' behaviour through this crisis. And that's one of the longer-term implications that I think the crisis will have. Sadly, there's no question that many retailers will not survive this period. Those that do will emerge with a new attitude to how much balance sheet strength they need to have to survive tough times, how many stores they need, and lots of other issues as well. But consumers too, I think, will emerge from the crisis and will remember and reward those businesses who do the right things in the right ways for their customers and for their people. Up next, we hear from our advisor, Tony Donofrio, the CEO of TD Insights, a respected industry futurist and recognized global top 100 retail influencer. Having a substantial part of my family still in Italy, it's been very painful for me to track this crisis. Italy, with a population of 60 million, has already more than doubled the number of deaths in China with nearly 1.4 billion people. Released March 26th and timely to this discussion is a new global retail forecast from the IHL Group. At the beginning of 2020, IHL had projected North America sales, including USA and Canada, to grow by 2% for the year. The new forecast, with COVID-19 lasting three months, has North America retail sales dropping 1%. Not all retail sectors will share the pain equally. Grocery, including super centers and drugstores, will do extremely well. For example, the projection initially for grocery was to grow 3%. Now it's projected to grow 18%. COVID-19 will hit the hardest department stores, which will be down 20%. Specialty soft goods will be down 18%. And bar and restaurants will be down 13%. In the medium term, it's all about flattening the disease curve. If we can contain the crisis to three months, looking at the same IHL forecast, North America retail sales will be down by 51 billion, with again, general merchandise and hospitality being negatively hit and grocery doing well. Asia, because of the size of their population and the value of grocery, will actually see retail sales growth of 98 billion. Hardest hit will be Europe, which will be down 177 billion. The fastest recovery will take place in Asia and North America, the slowest in Europe and Latin America. It's devastating, but I do believe we'll get through this crisis to a new normal of transformative possibilities. Department stores and apparel, especially those retailers lacking either a clear branding or price positioning strategies, are going to continue to struggle and multiple will probably not make it. It's not a retail apocalypse. It's really brands not keeping up with consumer trends. Again, a new normal is coming because of COVID-19 that's going to accelerate things like 
e-commerce, cashierless stores, and contactless solutions. Physical stores are not going to go away because of COVID-19, but they do need to accelerate their harmonized across channels digital transformation. Rounding out today's episode is Joe Yakel. Joe is the founder and CEO of Within, the world's first performance branding company serving clients like Nike, Spanx, Purple, and Budweiser. Joe is joining us today to share a few actions you can take to improve ROI on your marketing program during these unprecedented times. Hello to all the Rethink Industry listeners. I am Joe Yakwell, founder and CEO of Within, the world's first performance branding company. On March 4th, we started tracking the effects of the COVID-19 outbreak on our clients' e-commerce revenue, conversion rates, and ad spend. We used the pre-COVID period as a benchmark to compare year-over-year performance before and after COVID began having an impact on e-commerce. The data set comprises about 75 clients of ours, a mix of fast-growing VC brands, as well as Fortune 100 companies. And the total digital marketing spend across our clients is over $500 million, and their combined annual revenue in e-commerce for the United States is about $5 billion. If you'd like to see how your brand compares to industry competitors, you can check within.co for daily updates and insights on how you can best beat your benchmark. So for some action items here, we compiled a list of effective marketing strategies that are performing exceptionally well for our clients right now. While you can find these at within.co, we're going to give you a short list here, with which is some of our favorites for today. The first is to reevaluate media budgets, testing plans, and metrics. For now, with the volatility that we're seeing, it's definitely a good idea to pause any incrementality testing or sequential testing that you are using to get a read on what's performing versus a control group, given that these volatilities are going to have a really big impact on that right now. We'd also recommend shifting away from short-term KPIs, such as uh, short-term revenue goals and ROAS and CPA, and shift into a more profitability-based KPI, something that looks at either first-order profitability or long-term profitability over a time horizon. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. The second thing that we'd like to share is how you can better use shipping and promotions uh, and return policies for better acquisition. Omnichannel businesses don't need to write off their brick and mortar sales completely, but instead you can shift your in-store customers to e-commerce by reducing friction in their conversion cycle. So revisit your shipping thresholds, maybe lower those thresholds, make your return policies a bit easier, and be very, very clear about your delivery time messaging. Make sure customers know that you're still open, that you're in stock, and that you're shipping normally. And consider running promos or sales to move outdated inventory or pull sales forward if you need to meet cash flow demands. Third, people are in the stockpiling mindset, and we should be strategizing around that. Brands pushing household essentials are well situated for this, but it's not off the table for other brands either. Offer a buy more, save more discount on larger orders to improve AOV, but also use social to make this more discoverable and make sure that people know about bulk sizing and bundles that you might have available. And of course, make sure you're appearing in search and Google shopping for anyone that's looking for the products that you offer. The last thing on today's list is to leverage customer segmentation to be smarter about where you invest your media dollars and align them with profitability. And this kind of hinges off the first point we mentioned earlier. Audience segmentation is at the core of this. So maybe you have different product categories that have different margins, maybe different demographics have different predicted repeat rates. These are the types of variables that we should be using to segment our customer base, as well as prospective customers, so that we can use that to make sure that we're aligning our media investment with the expected profitability. CPA doesn't account for AOV, margin rate, or repeat rate. 
And ROAS, while it accounts for AOV, also does not account for margin rate and repeat rate. So this is where we'd like to see brands shift to a strategy that optimizes for first order profitability or for some kind of you know lifetime value profitability metric, like a 12-month LTV. So for example, if one cohort has a $50 lifetime value and another has a $100 lifetime value, we're not saying you should only target the high value customers. What we're saying instead is that you should match your willingness to pay with the relative value. So in this case, you should only be willing to pay half for the $50 customer as you are for the $100 LTV cohort so that you're matching that up with your willingness to pay. For some closing remarks here, you know, the market is nothing but volatile right now and customers are still shopping. So just because things are a bit crazier than normal doesn't mean that consumers are not browsing and window shopping. And and especially with more time at home, they might be doing that even more than before. So monitor those changes in customer habits and online media trends and reduce your revenue losses and find that upside in adapting to that customer behavior as it continues to shift. If you're interested in what the rest of the industry is doing, check out our COVID-19 retail pulse at within.co for updates on every major vertical. You can also sign up for daily updates and insights from the leading benchmark beaters, where we're constantly showcasing what brands are doing to beat the benchmark. Visit us at within.co, and I hope you find our insights valuable to your business. We've now heard from five industry leaders on their current outlook, and I'd like to thank them for sharing some perspective during this time. To wrap up, I'd like to remind your listeners that we are all in this together. You've heard it before, and the pandemic will eventually come to an end. In the meantime, the question is, how can we help? We've seen countless apparel retailers shifting to produce personal protective equipment for healthcare professionals, to name a few, Zara, Caring, Gucci, Canada Goose, Gap, and the list goes on. And various beauty companies are contributing to hand sanitizer production following the lead of LVMH, and this includes the Estee Lauder companies, Coty and L'Oreal. I also will note that Allbirds and Crocs are donating shoes to healthcare workers, and brands like Nike are having some success promoting social distancing through their new campaign with the slogan, if you ever dreamed of playing for millions around the world, now is your chance. Play inside, play for the world. So let's stay inside, let's listen to podcasts, shameless plug here, and let's get through this together. If you're looking for some inspiration this week, I highly encourage you to register for the next webinar put on by author and futurist Daniel Burris. It's called, This is a Defining Moment, Will You Squander It? It's later this week, and I attended the session last Friday, really enjoyed it. Daniel covered the power of certainty for anticipating change versus being reactive, And it applies to all industries, not just retail. So pretty good stuff. That's all for now. Until next week. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. That's this week's Retail Rundown. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing, reviewing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.